If you're a golf lover, join in on fun discussions about golf from the perspective of two plugged-in Minnesota golf geeks, Brad Cole and David Branstad. This is 10,000 Swings. Hello, and welcome back to 10,000 Swings. It is Sunday, April 11th, 2021. I'm Brad Cole. I'm David Branstad. Oh, do I get to jump in now? I'm Phil yeah, Mackey. You do. Phil Mackey's here with us tonight. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about this week, friends. Uh, the Masters. It was it was something. Uh, we have a huge University of Minnesota golf update. We also have a little beautiful oh, Masters music. Hello, friends. Phil, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> but... Again, for those that don't know, we do have Phil Mackey with us tonight. Phil Mackey from Score North, Hubbard Broadcasting, now in Seattle. Yeah, I got invited. What's the um, what's that PJ Championship course up here? I can't remember the name of it. Where it's the Holly or no, uh, no, Chambers no, Bay? Chambers Bay. Chambers Bay is. I think Chambers Bay is the one where Dustin Johnson. Uh, three putted from like twelve feet or something. Yes, to to whiff on the mayor. So I got I got invited to play that course two weeks ago. We my wife and I moved out here a month ago, and as David knows, because I've been sending him little videos. Like I'm like <laughs> I'm like as mentally and physically like between swings as I've ever been in my life. And so I turned down an invitation to play at Chambers Bay because no. I was so like ashamed of my golf game. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to oh. go out there and shoot like one thirty and look like an idiot in front of. <laughs> you know, qualify golfers. And so, yeah. Could you have just walked along? <laughs> Guys, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just be your personal beverage cart guy. Well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just sit there and I'll do some caddying for you. Maybe, maybe that's my role at these nice golf clubs, I guess. <laughs> what, what would the response be from your group? If you show up on the first tee, pay the green fee with no clubs and just say, you know, I'm between swings right now. <laughs> I'm not not fully committed, so instead of shaming myself and you know wasting your time, I'm just I'm just here to hang out. I'm just here to uh, to get the Pacific Northwest breeze. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great. <laughs> and, and Phil, no offense, they're going to be disappointed with you as the beverage cart person. I know, I know, that's I know. I have been working out though, so okay, good. See, so I didn't mean to hijack the first three minutes of this show. I'll no, shut that's... up so you can so you can tee up the, uh, the 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 masters talk here. That is by far better than anything we could have come up with. So that's uh, that's good stuff. Phil, <laughs> excited to have you back on the show. What a what an interesting weekend. Probably one of the most non interesting ma- uh, masters I've seen. And then every once in a while, it got interesting for like 20 to 30 minutes. And then it went back to kind of boring again. Uh, There were so many things happening all the time. And then there were plenty of times where there was nothing happening. It was was kind of weird. How about like on Thursday, Justin Rose went nine under in his final 10 holes. This looks like a runaway for him. Then he, he just shuts down. Hideki finishes round three, shooting 29 in the back nine. And then Xander on Sunday, starting hole 12, goes birdie, 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 triple. Like, we thought it was going to get interesting, and it just, it, it did, like you said, Brad, it got interesting for about five minutes, and that was about it. 
I mean, I would. I mean, first and foremost, Hideki is a wonderful player, and I'm I'm happy that he won his first major, and I think now he's going to be etched into superstardom in uh, his home country of Japan. And so, like, I am not like, any any analysis from me about like Sunday and the weekend has nothing to do with a slight on him. But I think we all just want to see drama, and we all like when when Hideki popped that ball into the water. And all of a sudden, what I think at one point was a seven-stroke lead. For sure, six. He had a six-stroke lead for a few holes. All of us, it wasn't that we were rooting against him. It was we're rooting for something interesting to watch, right? And um, and it felt like we got it there for about 10 seconds. And then Xander went bonkers on 16. And his his post, so he did, and he's great, by the way. I feel like he's going he's gonna to win multiple majors at some point. And... It kind of feels like he's been around longer than he has. He's only like 27 years old, and he just keeps finishing top five, top ten in majors. And Amanda Balionis did the interview with him after the round was over, and she just sort of asked, like, hey, what happened on 16 there? And was it, it you know, Dottie out on the course said she didn't think you were, you know, having a mental hiccup. She thought that, you know, it was just sort of bad luck. And he said, yeah, honestly, I flushed that ball. I hit it perfectly exactly where I wanted it to go. And I'm being aggressive in that spot because I'm trying to hunt down the leader, and it was just like a bad circumstance. Should he have been that aggressive in that spot? Would no. you or, or would you guys have advised him if he said, "All right, you guys, ten thousand swings, guys, you're my new advisors here on the back nine at the Masters"? Would you have told him just put the ball on the green, take your par, and then see what happens on seventeen, eighteen? I actually said this. Okay, hit it to fifty feet. You just hit it out to the right. You could hit one club less, two clubs less. That green's very long. Just hit it short right. Everything's going to bound forward and left. You leg it up there, tap it in, move on. Hideki was reeling at that point. Like Xander was owning the tournament, and it just got way too aggressive. I mean, it's very easy to have a two- or three-stroke swing on hole 18 alone or on 17. He didn't need to press it on, on 16. And, and unfortunately, if he had just parred the last three, he ties Hideki, right? And who knows? He might have even beat Hideki if he not had made the, the triple that obviously kind of made things a little bit easier for Hideki. So it was hard to watch, to be honest. And he's now has, you know, I don't know how many top tens in the majors, but it's, he's been in the top ten in every major. And just it's hard to see. It's My question is, is does this send him on a Rory McIlroy trajectory? where he wins some majors, you know, or is he going to be a Ricky Fowler tape where he just gets a lot of top tens in majors, but doesn't get the job done. Cause Xander doesn't show any weakness except for these random holes. I mean, he made a triple and a double today and was still right there. So, so looking at his major history, this is not including today. You look at the last two years, the last seven majors, he has his worst finish is a tie for 41st at the Open Championship in 2019. He's been in the top 20 at every single major, including three top fives. That's amazing. And that doesn't include today. This guy's legit, but I mean, are we the new Tony Fino that just can't win? Like, I like to finish second a lot. I don't know. I feel like, like, I. Sometimes when I watch Tony Finau, and by the way, he's never won a tournament, period, which I think is different than what Xander's going to do. He technically has one tournament win. He has the the PGA Tour event? 
He the Puerto Rico Open, which I believe is the one that's the same time as the WGC event. Oh. So it's not right. the same year. Right. <laughs> it's an asterisk. Yeah, so, so you take you, you take the hundred best players in the world out and then right. yeah, or whatever whatever the field is. Um, sixty four. Yeah. Shoffley feels to me like sometimes guys just need to take lumps into their into their mid to late twenties, and he it feels like he's taken more lumps in a short period of time because he's always in the mix. I legitimately think, even though he's not a huge household mainstream name yet, I legitimately think he's going to have a handful of majors when it's all said and done. He just he just seems like the type of dude that like I know that he triple bogeyed in a horrible spot today, and so it's going against my argument, but. He seems like the type of dude that sort of rises up in moments of golf crisis, and he just hasn't had that final breakthrough yet. Um, Tony Finau seems like he gets really nervous in big moments to me. and maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just my perception. But it feels like Xander loves the big moment and just hasn't had the payoff yet. He was also going toe-to-toe with Tiger two years ago uh, on the back nine of the Masters, too. So like he's, he's in these things, and he's fun to watch. Funny you say that. The highlight of my wife's weekend was on Saturday when there was a rain delay and they played the 2019 <laughs> Masters. So I, it's, it's funny you bring that up, Brad. I was actually a little disappointed when live coverage started. <laughs> okay, no laying up. Did you guys also uh, – sometimes I'm more into the other things than like just like – like the Masters was kind of boring this I was more into the Mark O'Meara, Jim Nance hour-long special before the Masters coverage started today than I was for the actual Masters in retrospect. It's very intriguing. Mark, uh, no Laying Up had a tweet this weekend that was absolutely priceless, and they had, they had a bunch of them. But they basically made fun of a lot of different things. And I tell you what, that's more interesting for me is just like following the No Laying Up tweets. And probably one of the best ones they had – that I still just can't get over. In 2014, 15, 16, 18, and 2021, only six players total have beat Jordan Spieth. How about that for a, an interesting fact in a not very interesting tournament? Wait, what now? So I explain that again. In those five Masters tournaments, Jordan Spieth has been beaten by a total of six players. Wow. <laughs> so that Seriously? Means, so he's Okay, so basically he's either won it or has finished in the top 5 or whatever. Okay. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. kind of fun that he's back too. I mean, he wasn't like actually flirting with winning the tournament at any point, but um it is kind of fun to see him he took like two or three years off and his swing got wonky and I think he got into his I mean, he's always in his own head, but it's it's fun to see him just in the hunt, in the mix, back nine majors. Hopefully, hopefully he stays. Hey, I'm I'm actually pretty proud of this. My picks this week were Rom and Spieth, and I'm historically terrible at this. They're both top five. Rom was great today. Oh my gosh! What was he? Sixty five? Sixty six? Sixty six? But it could yeah. have easily been sixty three. I mean, he was right right there. He and what was he even? Each of the first three days, right? I mean, he just didn't have anything going. But he's, you know, pretty impressive for a guy who just had his first kid. Yeah, he uh, he probably didn't get a whole lot of sleep over the last week or so. What happens if he? So I'm I'm with you. I think 
I think he was a little bit disappointed with the 66. He kind of felt like one of those, boy, I could have had 63 or 62 on the board. So he finished minus six. What if he hangs a 63? And what if he posts a nine under? And it's and he's an hour and a half, two hours in front. How does that? Does do you think that has any impact any more than you know Matsuyama already sort of melting down there, or do you think it wouldn't have mattered? He just would have finished in second place. I think, I think it, it makes, makes a huge, huge difference. Fact, I think if Jordan posts minus nine, I mean, heck, Will Zalatoris posted minus nine and he immediately went to the range. Like, he just got out the course. He went straight to the range. He was just hoping that he could get into the playoff. So, yeah, I think posting a number is always a big deal, especially when you have someone that hasn't won a major before. You know, there's Hideki's been one of the best players to not win a major for, what, five years? You know, he's been in that status uh, level, along with Paul Casey, who did not win one of my picks. <laughs> did I pick you this week, Brad? You did. Congratulations. And <laughs> Phil, who did you end up going with? One. I think I had Rom. I think I had Rom winning it. I, I actually was I was in an actual Masters pool as well, and I had in that where I actually put my Monopoly money, in case anyone's listening, well, where the <laughs> where, where my mouth is. I believe I had Rom, Spieth. I, I, I think I may have had Matt. I have to check. I may have had Matsuyama, too. I may have just nailed it. I may have taken this pool home. I for sure had Rom and Spieth, which might be enough. We'll see. So Hideki takes it all, $2.1 million. And, you know, incredible to think about a guy bringing in $2.1 in one week because it's so much more than just the $2.1 million. It's the status. It's being able to – all these different things. And David's going to dive into that a little bit more. But if you all of a sudden run into $2.1 million and you don't know how to handle it, Give Jarrett Yalen with Northwestern Mutual a call. Uh, Jarrett is the man when it comes to handling money, investing money, anything you need help with. So 612-209-4523. And you can also check out his website at jarrettyalen.com. J-A-R-R-E-T-T-Y-E-H-L-E-N.com. So really good stuff. Uh, We appreciate Jarrett sponsoring the show. And he was just on last week, and I know he was uh, pretty excited to watch the Masters. So it was it was entertaining. Probably not quite as entertaining as we all hoped for, but pretty good stuff watching someone bring home two point one million. Now Will Zell Torres takes second and wins one point one one point two million. But David has a very interesting sure. update on this. <laughs> so he wins one point two four million for second place. But you ready for this? Third place this week receives the entire purse as the 1986 masters that Jack won. Wow. Wow. Uh, these purses, like we've talked about this year, uh, this is getting, I'm not gonna say out of control. Sports is out of control when it comes to, to pay, but I mean, that is, that's some legit money. Wait, do you think, you okay. Say- do, do you guys think like, do some of these dudes make so much money now that they really don't care about winning? Like, is that, do you think that's just a, something that fans complain about? Or do you, or do you think th- these guys, despite the fact that you can make that much money in one tournament finishing in third place, like that they still do actually get pissed when they don't win? I, I think they actually still get pissed when they don't win. But I think, I think there's a separation 
and I, I'm just speaking from opinion, there's a separation on tour of the ones that do get pissed that they can't win. But then there's the others like, I mean, my God, if I went out and I took second place in the Masters on 1.24 million and I never did anything for the rest of my life. Well, now, let's go. It's an interesting to compare it to other sports, Phil, because if you look at it, Jordan Spieth is not going to sleep well tonight. He wanted to win this tournament and it cost him a lot of money. But more importantly, he really wanted to win. And I wonder how that compares to like, let's say an NFL quarterback that has like a $42 million cap hit and more than likely will be on a team that goes eight and eight, you know, does he get as frustrated about, you know, not making the playoffs or not winning as Jordan did about not winning this week? What do you think? Listen, I mean, just if it were me, I'm super competitive, but I think it would, it would curb, I think my anger toward not winning. And I would also be looking at these ridiculous fields and like all these guys are amazing at golf and saying, all right, I can still make like $50 million over the next few years doing this. And I don't have to ever win. Like, to, like what's Tony Finau's lifetime earnings? Dude's never won a, you know, well, the one tournament that you mentioned, like that dude's probably made, I don't know, 20, 30, $20 million playing golf more. I don't have it in front of me, but what's endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's no, he's, he's well. done very well. Yeah. It's aggressive. Um, um, yeah, he's made 20 oh, he's million made- before endorsement. Yeah, twenty plus million before endorsements. Um, we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> now it's interesting you bring up Tony Finau. I don't know if you guys saw it. He had two essentially trick shots today. I don't know if you guys caught that, but on hole seven, he hit one from the trees for his third shot, his par four, and hit it through the trees, through the bunker, jumped out of the bunker, kicked like twenty feet to the right, and ended up to tap in for par. And then on hole 14, on his third shot from like 50 yards out, he banked it off to the side of the hill and went in. Again, like, is he's so hard to figure out because like it's another top, or yeah, top 10 again in a major, but never really had any chances of winning. Yeah. Did you guys see? Uh, one of the things I love to do is just sort of scroll through the leaderboard after the Masters is over, uh, and other majors, but the Masters in particular. The guys who finished top 20 or top 25 or even, like, fringe top 10 that never got on TV and you're like, whoa, like, Stuart Sink finished tied for 12th in this tournament. <laughs> so it, it's, funny, it's funny you just brought that up. I'm looking at the leaderboard right now because I wanted to see where um, Fino finished. And all of a sudden I see Stuart Sink and I had no clue he was even there. Yeah. No clue. Uh, also, also, so I, I love Scotty Scheffler. I think Scotty Scheffler is just a, a really good player who might win a major at some point. And I feel like in the non-major tournaments, Scotty Scheffler is always on TV. He's always like, if you're just watching a tournament, just a random tournament between majors, Scotty Scheffler is always in the mix on Saturday, Sunday, and he's always on TV. I didn't see, like, I saw him on TV twice on Thursday. He finished, he finished a tie for 18th. He was sort of like, in the mix around one under even par for the majority of the tournament. Couldn't get a sniff. Kevin Na. So once once Matsuyama wins the tournament and he's walking down and he's shaking hands and stuff and like Kevin Na makes an appearance in the handshake line and Jim Nance even acknowledges, oh, there's Kevin Na. And I'm thinking, oh, Kevin Na, was he did he play? Like did he even qual- Kevin Na 
Kevin Na finished a tie for 12th at minus 200 part. The dude did not get on TV once in four days, at least in the coverage I was watching. Poor Kevin Na and his sponsors. I must be not, not too thrilled about that. My, my youngest son had his first uh, football Pull game trigger. today. Pull the trigger. <laughs> and so I was forced to watch this on my phone for about an hour back and forth while he was playing. And I'm looking at my oldest son, Aiden. I'm like, Aiden, I'm only seeing like Spieth on here. I'm only seeing this. And my app was stuck in the featured groups for a full hour. <laughs> so I'm like, Hideki's winning this. I'm not seeing a thing. You're like, can a, can a guy get Justin Rose on his TV one time? Right. You know, just Spieth cam. Here's just- another <laughs> sneaky one. Webb Simpson took 12th. Yeah. He's a top 10 player in the world. Did they ever show him? Not today. Like- I don't think they, they, they did show him once today. They showed him once today. Cameron Smith, I need more mullet in my life. Oh my god! And he took tenth, and I never saw him. Yeah, it's amazing. We but we got our full allotment of Mark Leishman and uh, Zalatoris is fun to watch. He's fun to so, watch. So the Zalatoris stuff has definitely broken the internet. Uh, for those of you who have not seen some of the stuff out there, just Google it or check it out on, on Twitter. He actually looks almost exactly like Happy Gilmore's first caddy. He does. Who Happy <laughs> Gilmore basically pushed to the ground, and he responded back with, Mr. Gilmore, I'm your caddy. Will Zalatoris has a 60-degree wedge that's stamped with Mr. Gilmore, I'm your caddy. How funny is this guy? Like, that's he's just owning it. I, he seems so cool. And David and I could talk about Will Zalatoris for an hour, but David did some really interesting fact-finding on where Zil- Will Zalatoris ranks on the FedEx Cup. Yeah, so here's interesting. So he finished second in the Masters. He's not even eligible for the FedEx Cup playoffs. What? He's a Corn Ferry Tour member. He's not technically a PGA Tour member, so unless he wins a PGA Tour event this year, He's not eligible for the playoffs. So finishing second at the Masters can't. So he doesn't. doesn't he doesn't get to I play mean, in PGA Tour events be, unless it, he gets a sponsor's him, exemption or something. It makes him one point two four million dollars richer. Uh, but no, it has nothing to do with the playoffs for him. Like he even talked about today, the grind of the Corn Ferry Tour right now, and we can I can talk about this for an, an hour with the way the Canadian Tour is going, the McKenzie Tour is going. A lot of these mini tour pros have nothing to play in. And he all of a sudden, he's Monday qualifying for these events. He gets in. Brad, what did we find out? He was ranked 47th in the world, which got him in by three. 46th, yeah. He gets in, finished T2, and he can't play in the playoffs. Wow. No, it's interesting, though. If you look at back a little bit, so the last time he missed a cut besides the Sanderson Farms event in 2020 was back in 2019. So he's played a year and a half now without missing a cut. Like DJ and Rory have missed more cuts already in 2021. Like it's just crazy to think about where this guy's come from. And last fall is when the first time a lot of people heard about him, he took sixth place at the U.S. Open. The week before the U.S. Open, he took second in the Evans Scholars Invitational on the Corn Ferry Tour. So could you imagine like one week, you take second at the Evans Scholars Invitational. I'm assuming that took place at Les Volstead. And then the, the next week you take sixth place at the U.S. Open. Like, 
This is the guy that we all have to rally behind. He is awesome. Dude, how much of a buzzkill would it be, though? So you just, man, like you're in front of fans or, I'm sorry, patrons at the yeah, Masters. Be, be careful. We don't want to get canceled over vocabulary here. No, I'm sorry. Patrons <laughs> at the Masters for the first time in two years. Like this is your big spotlight moment. You just banked over a million dollars. You almost won the freaking Masters. And now you have to go play on the Corn Ferry Tour next week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how big of a buzzkill would that be for Will Zalatoris? Now, I would assume that because of his world ranking now, he's exempt to a decent amount of events. It's just the FedEx FedEx Cup that is kind of the weird wonky okay, one. So, so you're saying so he can so he'll be able to play in some of these PGA Tour events, but he won't be able to rack up FedEx Cup points. Correct. And so the end of the year, the playoffs are all based on the FedEx Cup points, which he's not currently accruing. And he's had an unbelievable year. I mean, he'd be top, probably top 30 in FedEx Cup points. Okay, so, so, is, so he, is, he, is he? he's not going to play any more Corn Ferry events, is what you're saying? I don't think so. I okay. think he's past thank, that. Good. Thank God. So just to compare, the 2020 Corn Ferry Tour champion, championship purse, the entire purse for the event, was a million dollars. Wow. The yeah. winner gets 180 grand, which, by the and way, I mean, for a week, a, a week of work, I mean, come on, hundred percent, hundred percent. This is this is why we have guys like Jarrett Yellen that help us out with this stuff. Yes, we need Jarrett for the financials because we're that's not where we are. Um, something else really interesting about Dalatoris, he turned his phone off for the entire week, so. Just think about that. You show up at Augusta on Sunday night, no connection with the outside world. Just shut it down. Phil, is that kind of what you do when you go to the tee box on a Saturday morning? Do you just kind of, you know, turn the phone off and dial in? Uh, I'm trying to think of the last time I turned my phone off for more than like 23 minutes without feeling major anxiety, you know, which is probably something I need to work on. But I was thinking about that too. So, do you do you buy that? Do you think he legitimately turned his phone off for like five days and then just like watched movies in the hotel room? He's not sneaking a peek at his texts and social media on Saturday night. Would you be able to do that? What well, What would you do? So the interesting part about Augusta is there are no phones. So once you're there, it's pretty common to just like talk to people and and like interact with them <laughs> what? in what person. Are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> None of this, no texting, just like actually human to human interaction. So maybe he just kind of treated it like a, you know, a week long trip to the cab and go make 1.2 mil and move on. So Ken Venturi gives Will Zalatoris a lesson as a kid and tells the parents, hey, this kid's going to be great. Your job is to stay out of the way. And I thought that was pretty awesome. And very impressive that the parents were able to do that. And I wonder like, what that would have done for the ball boys if LeVar Ball would have just like stayed out of the way and just let them do you know, what they were kind of destined to do. Or some of the different athletes over the years that have had issues with their parents getting in the way, how much different that would be if they just kind of let their kid play the sport. What do you think, Phil? Um, well, I mean, I, I used to, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of LeVar Ball, but he did pump out two NBA players and one that looks like he's going to be a superstar, even with his crazy parenting style. It would be interesting to see like, okay, LaMelo Ball and Lonzo Ball with more of a hands-off, supportive, normal parent. <laughs> Maybe they wouldn't have gone as far. I'm, I want to know more about this Ken Venturi run-in when he was like six years old at the golf range and 
Ken Venturi comes walking up and shows him how to properly grip a golf club. Like, could we, could we all just be that lucky where you're six years old and you're just hack, you're just hacking around with like a plastic club and then like whatever the modern day equivalent to Ken Venturi just comes walking up to you randomly and shows you how to properly hold a golf club and launches you into a career making millions of dollars, right? Couldn't we all be so lucky? I was I was told once by an athletic director when I coached high school golf, your job is to not screw these players up. <laughs> Just be encouraging and right. uh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean Ken Venturi, Ken Ken freaking Venturi, really? Well, they showed pictures today of Will Zalatoris, like age four and five, and I think somebody, one of the announcers, said like that's a power move. Like he was ripping it at a very young age, and he, you know, he's become close buddies with Tony Romo. Like, he's got some pretty cool people in his corner. Like Jim Nance on on Thursday, I think maybe it was Friday. It was either Thursday or Friday. It was it was before the weekend, and Jim Nance brought up that Tony Romo has been texting him when when. When uh, Zalatoris started popping up on the leaderboard for the first time, and he said, Tony Romo's been texting me. They played together at a pro-am, and he predicted before the tournament started that Will Zalatoris was going to win the Masters this weekend. No yeah, kidding. I don't know if you guys caught that anecdote, but yeah, but Tony Romo was like lighting up Jim Nance, and Jim Nance brought it up on the broadcast and said he predicted that Will Zalatoris is going to win the Masters this weekend, that like no one knows how good this kid is, but Romo's seen it. How about that? Tony Romo calling plays at the line of scrimmage and calling the breakout of Will Zalatoris this weekend. Pretty impressive. I guess that's why he's getting paid what he is. (laughs) So I really, really need to talk about Bryson. I've been all week long. I mean, did this guy just mess with the golf gods when he came out and said, Augusta's a par 67, I can drive three, I can get on all the par fives and two, it's a par 67 because according to my calculations, he shot 25 over par this week. Mm. So, I mean, this guy is just, he just keeps poking the bear, right? Like, don't, you don't say that about Augusta. Maybe after you've won four or five Masters, maybe at that point you can say it. But, wow, he is, uh, that that was very interesting to watch. Did did he say that this year too? Because I know he said it last, well, it was that November. Yeah, he, I guess, I don't know that he reiterated it, but I think it's just kind of a given. Like, a lot of people were tweeting about it at the beginning of the week. Like, oh, let's see Bryson's par 67, right? And, you know, people don't forget. <laughs> you, know, you can't just say things like that. So it was it was highly entertaining. And, again, remember last year, Dustin shot 20 under. So, essentially, Bryson said, you know, that Dustin shot par. And, you know, it, it's amazing to me, too, in addition to Bryson, like, you know, Bryson made the cut, but the guys that missed the cut this week, I don't know if you kept track, Phil, of all of the notable names that missed the cut, but that was nuts. I mean, Fred Couples should always be in the mix on Saturday and Sunday, right? And, and no Fred Couples, uh, no Sung J.M., which was pretty surprising for how well he's been playing. Jason Day, Patrick Cantlay, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Sergio, Matt Kuchar, uh Pretty, pretty surprising. You know, on the Bryson front, I think one of the things that bothers me about him, and I think other people are more bothered by him than I am, I think he's great for the sport because he's, he's just an interesting figure, and he's, he does things differently. He's, he generates discussion and buzz, and he's fun to watch, even if you are just, like, hate-watching him, right? Like, 
every sport needs the Yankees. Every sport needs the Miami Heat with the big three to root against. And I think he's sort of becoming that for golf. But, like, of the many things that people could pick out to hate about Bryson DeChambeau, the thing that actually drives me the most nuts is when he's out of contention, and it could be any tournament, but specifically at the Masters, the Masters, and it's Sunday, and you're out of contention, and you freaking, like, you you bomb a drive, and then you take a pitching wedge into a par five, and then you sink the putt for eagle, which I think he, I'm pretty sure he eagled a hole on, like, the front nine today. It might have been 13. I can't remember which hole it was. And the crowd, like, pops for you, and it's kind of a big moment, and all right, you're not going to win, but man, like, you just played the hell out of that hole, dude, and you just sunk an eagle putt. And rather than, like, enjoying the moment and tipping his cap and smiling and, like, you know, maybe give a shoulder shrug to the caddy, like, oh, well, it's been a tough week, but I'm going to enjoy this moment. He just pouts off the green, like, oh, I should have been doing that all week, right? He can't just, like, (laughs) like, Phil Mickelson doesn't contend in these majors anymore, and yet he'll make a nice shot or something, and... And he'll understand, like, yeah, I'm not contending, but all right, this is pretty fun. I'm Phil Bleepin' Mickelson, and these people love me, and they're cheering for me. Like, Bryson has no ability to just stop and enjoy the moment. It feels like he's just always, like, in a battle against the media or in a battle against the weather or the course. Like, something's always screwing him over, it kind of feels like. And I just I don't love that quality about him, personally. I, I think it was Brandel Chambly talking earlier in the week about how Bryson's not going to do well this week. Because the Masters and Augusta National doesn't give out the same yardage books and and green reading books. And Bryson's notorious for like triple checking these over four foot putts, six foot putts, eight foot putts. And all of a sudden he's forced to actually just feel his way around a golf course. Mm-hmm. That's not him. He's too mechanical. It's it, It's mechanical to a fault in my opinion. But those mechanics did get him a 374-yard drive on 18 to a flip wedge and a, and a birdie to, you know, to put a cherry on his pile of not so great. So that you know, he it does work for him at times. But I just feel like this place is just the one place he can't overpower, and uh, he's so used to overpowering everything. It's kind of fun to see, you know, the the golf gods, if you will, just say no, that that doesn't work here. Like you got to finesse your way around Augusta National. Yeah. And it is kind of amazing too. I mean, you know, the winning score and the conditions are different in the fall. It was it was the first ever November Masters, but it, I was a little bit worried when DJ went to minus twenty last year. It was like, oh my god, or is this is the Masters just going to turn into a race to minus twenty now, like every other tournament on tour? And so I I liked that it was kind of a grind to get to minus ten at the end of this one. It kind of kind of brought it back to where the scores should be at the Masters. And once in a while, somebody will pop up to, like, minus 14, minus 15. But I was a little worried when DJ went minus 20. Like, all right, now Bryson's going to go minus 23 or something. And we just, we've just lost all control of, 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 of Augusta. And I think all of that is 100% based on water, right? Like, it was so, so soft last fall. And this week it wasn't soft. I mean, Thursday, I've never seen Augustus Greens look like that on Thursday. That was it's almost like they had had a couple guys come in from the USGA to kind of, you know, spice things up a little bit. But it, it showed some teeth. You really had to miss. Your misses were so important this week. And that's, you know, it's, it's major golf. It was still 10 under people still shot 66. So I didn't mind it. You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of the U S open when it's really cool to shoot par. Like I want 66 to be a good round. And there were still plenty of 66s, sevens and eights this week. So it's not like it wasn't totally 
but you had to keep on it because uh, I don't think anyone had like two back to back, you know, sixty sixes by any means. Well, look at how the course even changed after the weather delay. Yeah, I mean it was firm and fast. Now you get some rain, and all of a sudden these guys are coming up short. They're not; they can't get the ball back to the flagstick. It was those two different golf courses after that. So this was an interesting week, and I, I'm with both of you. Like, I don't need this to be an even par winning the tournament, but I 25 under, no, 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 no. This this is this is the this is my Super Bowl of golf. <laughs> I, no, I totally agree. And you look at uh, Hideki. So Hideki prevails. You know what? Hideki has had no top tens in majors since 2017 and none at Augusta since 2016. And this just kind of essentially came out of nowhere. I don't know anyone that really had him in any of their, you know, their monopoly pools. Uh, you know, I just, I, I haven't heard much about him recently. And it was very interesting to see him as in command as he was for the last, you know, for the last 27 holes or so. It was very impressive. And all the pressure from his country, you know, they talked about that a lot. There are so many golfers in Japan and so many people that were really kind of, you know, he's been obviously the best player from their country for quite some time. You know, they've got 9.3 million golfers in Japan out of 125 million people. It's a very sport obsessed nation. And, I just couldn't imagine going to sleep last night with all the pressure for that, you know, with a four-stroke lead, and then still getting it done today. So kudos to Hideki. Uh, and the other thing I really liked about Hideki is he actually makes me feel good about my pre-shot routine from a speed standpoint. So I kind of enjoyed, you know, he makes me look like a quick player. So that was good, too. You see also, like, I, mean, I don't know if he does this. They showed, they showed a lot of front-facing with his putting and, and, and front-facing shots when he, was, when he was also on the tee box. And I, I always feel like as a guy who struggles to break 90, right, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out, like, all right, when do I shift my weight? How do I shift my weight? I mean, he's literally, like, putting 70% of his weight on his left leg before he even starts his swing. It's almost like he's cheating like I would cheat as a guy who shoots 95. Like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to start with my weight this far left. And he just won the Masters doing it that way. So, Hideki, for all of us who are trying to cheat our way to a better swing, you carried the torch for us. Thank you. I can't say I love that part about his golf swing. However, if I'm just going to diagnose this, if I'm looking at him at like impact, boy, that's pretty freaking good. I, I mean, obviously, he just won the Masters. He's, he's going to kick the crap out of me every time we go play golf. Um, and it just proves there's there's not just one way to do this. There's multiple ways to do this. And speaking of ways to do it, David, do you prefer to play rounds of golf with a putter or without a putter? Are you more of a <laughs> – I mean, did, so, Phil, did you see what Siwoo Kim did on Friday? This guy is in contention. He's on the green in two on 15. He gets a little hot with it, runs it by the hole, and all of a sudden just lays it into the ground. Now it's bent, and now he's using a three-wood. And he actually did pretty well with the three-wood to finish the last four greens, but that, that was crazy to me. So dumb question. Are you not allowed to use so if if it's determined that like the shaft is broken, but it's still sort of intact, can you not use that club? Correct. Okay. Cuz I was going to say I'd almost rather use a slightly broken putter than a 3 wood for the next 4 holes, but if it's By the way, he busted two clubs at the 3M Open 2 years ago. <laughs> Someone runs a little hot. He might need to calm down a little bit. You know what? I, here's what I'm going to give him. No, that would not be my club of choice. I am going to intentionally blade wedge. 
I'm taking out my highest lofted wedge. I'm just going to hit that right in the forehead of the golf ball. I think we've all done it being a just character of being lazy on a short putt. And it actually has a practical play if you're caught up against the rough on the on the fringe. But he put a really good roll on it with a fairway wood. It was pretty amazing. It, yeah. It's, it's incredible. So if you do have a broken club or you're in need of a new golf club, a great place to go buy those new clubs would be at the new PXG store in Southdale. And those guys are just rocking right now. They've been extremely busy, but you can call them today and get a full fitting experience. They've got the new Gen 4 clubs are in. Um, nobody makes the clubs the way they do. It's all direct to consumer. They work with you directly. Uh, it's a very special fitting experience. So check out pxg.com or call their store today at PXG Southdale. Phil, have you tried the PXG clubs yet? Or are you still working through a few different swings and you really don't want to tr- try any golf clubs until you've tried out a few more things? I, uh, I'm still still tinkering. I have not I have not swung a PXG club yet, but we do talk about PXG on Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily every single day. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm told that I'm going to, I, I, I saw a couple swag items, a hat and a couple shirts that I'm interested in. So we're going to start with the swag and then we might, <laughs> once my game is worthy, we might, uh, we might put the PXGs in my hands. We'll see. <laughs> I like it. Um, another interesting thing that happened this week, I noticed no amateurs made the cut, which was kind of a sad deal. Uh, you know, it's something I always look forward to is they, you know, they do some really cool things for the amateurs for the low am. And there's been some pretty big names that have been the low amateur before. Brandy, what'd you think about that? Because I, I haven't seen that. I think it was 2015 or something since the last time where no amateurs made the cut. Uh, I don't actually know the stat of when that was, but I mean, this tournament's got a history of the amateurs. In fact, this tournament's got a history. Of a lot of traditions, I mean, Tiger Woods was a low am in '95, and then won it in '97. Uh, Bryson was a low am about five yeah. Years Bryson ago. Bryson was a low am. Um, I don't, guys, I don't know the stats on that, but it, it's interesting that no am made the cut because that's a huge part of this this event. Um, I was actually researching a little bit today because I think to me the tradition of the Masters is so cool. I mean, everything from the Champions Dinner. Which that was really cool this year, where they had a place for Tiger laid out, and Tiger was even kind of trolling DJ on social media about running up his tab and how he wouldn't be there to do it. So that was kind of cool. But here's a couple of uh, random traditions that people don't always know about. Brad, you alluded to one already. There's no cell phones allowed at the event. You can check them at the gate. They have incredibly low food prices. You get a beer for five bucks. You get a sandwich for three bucks. Because of the fence around the course, there hasn't been a deer sighting on property in 65 years. Wow. They've also not seen any sightings of squirrels, birds, or insects. I don't know how you can not have insects, but whatever. And they've been rumored to pipe in the bird sounds on the on the broadcast for years. The ponds and lakes are all dyed. In 1996, Golf Digest actually tested one and found food dye in it just to make them look that good. Wow. I mean, this place is immaculate. If you haven't been there, it's immaculate. This was one I didn't know about, though, until today when just doing some reading. The fishing out there is amazing, but they're not allowed to talk about it. The players are talking about the whole 12 is really, really good. 
but no one's allowed to talk about it. But one caddy actually kind of spilled the beans a little bit and said, yeah, you go fish in hole 12, you can catch some stuff. And then I don't know if you guys have, have seen any of this, but Augusta National is trying to really clean up Augusta as a city, and they're buying up every business around there and every home around there. But they've got one home on property that is refusing to sell. And they have declined millions and millions. And apparently it's located somewhere in in their parking lot. I mean, the, the history behind this event and this course, uh, it, it goes on forever. My, my list can go on for another seven minutes here if I really wanted to, to go do this. Going back to even 2012 and Clayton Baker made headlines for stealing sand from a bunker and got arrested. What What is your, if, if we could do an impromptu Mount Rushmore of like the most masters things ever, what would, what, what, what would your George Washington be? Is it, is it Jim Nance whispering in hushed tones? Is that the most masters thing ever? Is, you know, it, actually, is it the fact that everyone, every play-by-play person, it's almost like a mandate that you have to pause for like a beat and a half before you say the masters. I, I actually said this to my wife today at dinner. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do when Jim Nance retires. Is, is this mean, event what, the what, same? What, what, are, what are any of us going to do? It, uh, he's he's as much of this event as anything so yeah. who, who is being groomed to be the next Jim Nance that's a great question like who, well, well Ver, Vern Lundquist by the way I don't know if he was okay at the end of the broadcast today did you guys hear <laughs> like he was yeah. sputtering on fumes at the end there was there was a moment so he's I'm assuming he was at 16 tower like he always is and uh, they go to 16 and he and he like it, it was like he could barely talk he was like uh, why don't you guys talk until he makes the shot? And then I, I just think he was on fumes. And uh, if that was the end for Vern Lundquist, was this supposed to be his last broadcast? I know he's scaled back. He doesn't do SEC football anymore. I don't know. I, I do know, though, that once I hear his voice, I know it's 16 at Augusta or or maybe number six at Augusta, you know, but that's like that's the cue. You know that that situation. And I'll always whenever I hear his voice, immediately think of Tiger in 2005, yeah. you know, like that just all of a sudden it just kind of that's my my memory thing there. But I, I love to know who is who will be Vern Lundquist's replacement. Who'll be Jim Nance's replacement? Well, here here's the thing. You're not gonna have to worry about this for like twenty years on you know, barring some sort of hell situation. So Vern Lundquist is eighty and he's just now finally being phased out of Masters telecast, right? <laughs> Jim Nance is only sixty one years he turned sixty two years old in May. So I, I think Jim Nance probably has a good fifteen plus years left as the lead Masters play by play guy. So I I don't know who I don't know if I don't know if there's like a young, you know, if there's somebody on a different network or something that could pop up. But Jim Nance ain't letting that thing go for maybe Tony Romo. Maybe Tony Romo's the guy in like 15 years. He's 20 years younger than Jim Nance. I was about, thinking maybe was, like a Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> that could work Seth too. Seth MacFarlane. It could be kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Probably offend a lot of people, but uh, we'd be giggling. I'm here for it. Oh. <laughs> I, there's other tournaments I'd put him at before the Masters. <laughs> Phoenix the way, Open. I was going to say, the Waste Management Open would be a perfect spot. So <laughs> The Zurich for some walk-up music? Or... Yes. What, the, what was your guys' favorite shot of the week? Because for me, on hole 15, Jordan Spieth 
and Shane Lowry are both behind the green. They both chip it. It's coming in a little hot. Jordan Spieth's ball hits the pin and goes in because that's the kind of luck that Jordan Spieth has. And Shane Lowry's ball ends up in the middle of the lake. And Lowry's ball was hit softer than Spieth's. But Spieth was just absolutely perfect when it hit the pin and went straight down. So that to me was like that, – that took the cake for me. But what was your guys' favorite shot of the week that, that you remember the most? That's a good question. I, I'm probably going to go with Spieth because it, did he did he hole out twice this week? Mm-hmm. Does, I mean, he does a couple times every week he plays. So it's, it's not really. It seems, like, it seems like every, I mean, we've talked about this in the show before. It seems like, and this is the issue I have with some of his, or big part of his career, it's almost like he's making a career on luck in a weird way because he's hitting 40-foot bombs, 50-foot bombs. Oh, I'm just going to hole it from 30, 40 yards. So I'd say, I mean, shots of the week, It's it's going to Spieth. Yeah, Spieth, I think um, my favorite shot was probably the the big, like, he made a putt where he was aiming, like, 90 degrees to the right today. Um, so he's always just, like, draining these long, ridiculous putts or holding out from, you know, 30 yards down off the green. So that, that putt that he made, and it kind of made it feel like, oh, maybe he is going to make a run and get back in this thing. But, yeah, Spieth had a lot of moments this week for sure. Phil, we can't do a show without talking about two players, and we didn't really say much before, so I have to acknowledge that Rory McIlroy was in the field this week. Uh, Rory Rory McIlroy did hit his dad with a ball on Thursday. Uh, Rory McIlroy did shank one on Friday, and Rory McIlroy did miss the cut. So that actually that shank was my favorite shot of the week, and I love Rory, but oh my god! I mean, they, they had they had the CBS tracker on that too. It just straight right. Oh my god. It was that was a straight hosel shank. Speaking of Rory though, how about the uh the visit he had with Tiger in the past uh was it two weeks? And he goes to Tiger's house and they meet in the living room. Tiger's got all fifteen of his major trophies in the living room. What? And and, and Rory and, goes And a cat and, and like a body cast up to his neck. Yeah, exactly. And and Rory goes, Where are your other trophies? And Tiger goes, I don't know. Wait, this was this like in the last two weeks? This is like in the last two weeks. A lot of players have been visiting Tiger. Uh, JT's been there a couple of times. Rory's been there. And yeah, Rory's in his living room amongst 15 major trophies and asks, where are your others? And he says, I don't know. Mm. I want to know, does Tiger just keep those trophies? Is, is he just goofing on the guys that come? Or, or do you think he just has those very narcissistically placed around his living room at this point? I've heard rumors he's got an extensive trophy room and he does this to just kind of edge these younger players. Uh, but I don't know. But, I mean, I've always <laughs> loved the sarcasm of his responses to some of this yeah, stuff. Right. Like, if you get if you get random questions, since so we're talking about these young players, we've talked about Shoffley. If you had to put, like, your entire savings, all right, if, if there's some crazy scenario where, like, your entire financial future and your family's is is you having to guess which golfer is going to win the most majors over the next, let's say, seven to eight years? Who are you picking? There's so many dudes right now, I feel oh, like. Oh, man. Is it Bryson? No. Just, just bombing at the, the open? I think Bryson will win more tournaments. If I had to pick who would win more PJ Tour events, I might say Bryson. Yeah, they'll just yeah. Ma- majors. No, um, 
boy, Brad, can I punt you on that one? For a it's minute? a tough one because there's a lot of reasons why some of these guys don't win. <laughs> um, John Rom is my. Yeah. I, I think John Rom. I think he, you know, and he continues to be a top ten guy a lot. But I think he he also has that ability to kind of just you know when he's a little more focused. This week he wasn't quite there, and he still took what fourth, fifth. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's. I think John Rom's a guy for me. How about you, Phil? I love the job. I, I would probably go JT, but I also feel like he just he's also kind of a hothead, and it, it kind of feels like he he goes in and he has all the right things that he says all the right things, and he knows how he wants to be mentally, but then he always has a spaz day or a hole or something that completely derails everything. Um, like I can't remember what hole it was, but didn't he have like a triple bogey on Saturday that just completely took him yeah. out of all contention? I feel like that happens to him almost all the time in majors. John Rahm seems like a cyborg. He's just this emotionless robot cyborg who's creative, and I'm with you. I think there's going to be a run of majors for him at some point. So, And he also – he's cooled off quite a bit in the last couple of years, but he was very hot under the collar a couple of years ago. He's definitely scaled it back, and that's why I think he's you know he's in a better spot. I honestly – like I, maybe I'm just too all in. I, Shoffley would be in the mix for me. I think that dude is – there's something about him, and he's just always in the mix. Um, Shoffley, like if, if this is a draft and, and, and John Rahm's already off the board and Brad has taken him, I might actually go Shoffley. He's always in the mix. You, you know what? I'm going to take Spieth on this. He's proven he can win a major. I don't think he's done. He's getting his game back. I'm also biased. I just really like Spieth. But, uh, That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So you guys brought up something interesting about all these guys going and visiting Tiger's house, you know, and kind of Tiger telling them stories. And I was sitting here just giggling. My wife and I really enjoy the Oceans trilogy. And it's kind of reminds me of like Oceans 13 where Ruben's in the, the bed and the guys all just go every day and they talk to him and, you know, they say things to him. And eventually then just Ruben just shows up ready to go when he wants to take down uh you know, at the end of the movie, when he wants to take down, oh, who is it? Uh, not Andy Garcia, but uh, I'm spacing on it. Uh, in Ocean's 13, whoever they're going after, I, I'm totally spacing right now. Pacino. And uh, it just, that's kind of, what I, I feel like all of a sudden Tiger's just going to show up one day and just be like, I'm back, boys. You know, and he's just going to do it all over again, just, just like Ruben did in uh, Ocean's. I think he plays again. I think he plays again in like two years. I don't think I think he. I think he wins again. Wow. Wow. I think he wins again. I think he wins, this the, guy did, think he wins the Masters again? You got one more Masters in? A little four, 48 years old? Yes. Yes. Wow. I will go out and say yes. This wow. guy does not have it in him to not do it. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go on record right now. He's going to win another Masters. There it is. Was it April 11th, 2021? 9.42 p.m. as we record this. <laughs> Central Standard Time. David <laughs> yep. Brandstad. Has put his stamp. Reckless speculation with David Branstead. That's you know I'm wearing my Timberwolves sweatshirt over here, thinking that we're going to get into some reckless speculation. But Branny had just thrown out that speculation. <laughs> hey, the Wolves just won by four. Wow, that's uh, anything's possible. We, you know, there's a lot of positive things happening. Anything is possible. Wolf beat the Bulls. I love it. Uh, <laughs> So before we wrap up here, I wanted to get into some local stuff. We've had decent weather. It's not been great here, but 
courses are open all over the place, Phil. People are pumped about spring. It's it's dicey at best because you know how Minnesota springs are. Um, this is like a winter in Seattle right now. Yeah, forty-five to fifty-five. Some rain, some wind. You could play, you could not play, but Minnesota people are wearing shorts because that's how we do. Yeah. Uh, so we've got some good things happening with our college golf teams. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about how hard it is to come out of the winter and all of a sudden go play against Arizona State, who is just, you know, totally locked in. Well, our Gopher men's team this week uh, just finished third place at the Boilermaker Invite. Uh, they shot 281, 292, 286, so they're five under. Pretty awesome uh, for this early in the season for a team from the north. And actually, Angus Flanagan, who we talk about quite a bit on this show from the U, won the tournament. So he shot nine under for three days. So pretty cool to see the men uh, trending. And then on the women's side, uh, the ladies played at the Indiana Spring event and took third out of fit, out of five teams. So the both teams are kind of ramping up towards the Big Ten Championships April 23rd to 25th in Ohio. Uh, fun to see them trending. And we just had the Minnesota State High School League wrap up winter championships this weekend. So, Phil, I don't know if you caught any of the uh, the state basketball tournaments or hockey tournaments, but those were pretty uh, big here this week. I know with you living in Washington, there's a lot of rumors that the number one basketball player in the country who happens to be at Minnehaha Academy might be uh, going to Gonzaga, which isn't that far from you. I love um, – so So Chet Thomas, I believe, is his name? Holmgren. Chet Holmgren. All right. So uh, I love that Ben Johnson, new gopher basketball coach, shot his shot a couple weeks ago and picked up the phone and called Chet, even though Chet is like 95% going to Gonzaga. If you're Ben Johnson, take that swing, man. I love it. I'm also uh, really looking forward to when Alex Rodriguez moves the Timberwolves out here to Seattle to try and get back in the good graces of. That'll be, yeah, that'll be great. My God. That's a whole other yeah, podcast is, for tomorrow. Is, yeah, I said that's, a, that's an hour-long conversation, but that's, oh, my God, we're an interesting So, Phil, what, <laughs> uh, since the pandemic, one of the th- has hit, uh, one of the things that Dave and I have wanted to do every week is talk about a local business that we've supported um, because, obviously, we've lost so many, you know, North, North Loop, um, so many places that you used to go to all the time, they a lot of the businesses uh, are no longer there. So trying to talk about a local business we support every week. And the original idea is that it's supposed to be a new place every week. But I've fallen into this really bad rut where I go to the same places every week. They're locally owned, but uh, I don't get that far outside my bubble. So instead of trying to lie or say something else, I'm just going to share different menu items that I had at those places. <laughs> uh, so I played golf at Rum River Hills for the probably the five millionth time in my life. And I went to Margie's, my sister's restaurant in Andover, uh, did the Friday night fish fry, and then had the Sunday brunch. And the Sunday brunch uh, features a stuffed hash brown, which if you like hash browns and you like everything else that breakfast involves, go to Margie's, try the stuffed hash brown. It's supposed to be shared by two people. I find it to be more of a single serving, but you know that's to each their own. Uh, some good stuff there. So, Branny, who'd you support this week? So, I actually went like, is it like two blocks north of Margie's? Uh, to Pappy's. Nice. Pappy's Cafe. We took the kids out there, uh, the other day for breakfast, and it's, it was fantastic. And they were busy, which was fun to see. One of the things I like about Pappy's, which I didn't know, my youngest son, who's six, 
they anything on their menu they will make into a kid's size, which was kind of cool. So Pappy's Cafe in Andover, loved it. You said so, two blocks. That's actually a lie. They actually is kind of connected by parking lots. <laughs> so it's, all right, yeah, maybe it's hundred feet. <laughs> Pappy's in Andover, awesome spot. Phil, have you found any cool places in Seattle that you've been able to support? A million of them, but I want to give you a Minneapolis one because we've so we've been out here for a month, and the the last place strategically that we ordered takeout from was Red Rabbit downtown Minneapolis, cool. one of my favorite restaurants in the Twin Cities. That mushroom flatbread, the oh my god, like any pasta thing on that menu is ridiculous, but specifically the mushroom flatbread is absurd, and one of the best Manhattans you're ever going to drink. If you partake, so <laughs> Red Rabbit, Minneapolis was the last takeout before we headed west. Good times. And have you made it to Pike's Place yet? A couple times, yeah. We've done we've done a few cliche things down here. We've done the market. We did the Space Needle, which is amazing. Um, and uh, we're gonna hopefully hopefully dust off the clubs and get some get some swings in at a non uh, major championship course just to put the training wheels on. Looking forward Pike- to it. Pike's Place Market has this local, well, that's all local at Pike's Place, this place you can just go buy a cup of crab meat with shrimp sauce that is out of this world. It's been probably five years since I've been there and done it, but oh my God. Yeah. It's inject that into my veins. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That whole Seattle experience of getting the, you know, going to the original Starbucks, getting your cup of coffee, walking around, getting all sorts of fresh seafood and fruit and veggies. And then we walk behind there and you can kind of see, you know, basically you feel like you're walking around on the, um, in free Willy, you know, where you kind of see some of the, the stuff and you're, you know, you're just waiting for Willie to come jumping out of the, the water. It's, it's a pretty cool experience right there in the sound. And, uh, we, we're glad that you're enjoying it out there. So we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Super uh, fun. it's great to have you on again. Uh, we'd also like to thank our sponsors, Jarrett Yalen, uh, Northwestern Mutual. Jared's doing some great work there. So again, if you happen to win 2.1, 2.2 million dollars, even if you take second at the Masters and win 1.2, Will Zalatoris, give Jared a call. He'll help you out. Give him a call if you take third in your men's league too. He'll help you out. <laughs> Pro shop credit, he can help with as well. He he knows his way around a golf shop. Uh, our friends at PXG doing some awesome things there for club fitting. They are very busy, so call them right away and get booked so you can get in and get fitted for some new Gen 4 clubs. Um, as always, you can connect with us at 10kswings at scorenorth.com via email. And please subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Score North, and give us a five-star rating. For Episode 8, we will be back with Jeff Kaiser from the University of Minnesota, who has actually played Harbortown. So someone that knows the course will be able to break it down next week, and he's all in on the college golf scene. So he can share some cool things and actually tell you about Some of the guys you watched on TV this week that first made a breakout at the Gopher Invitational. So that should be quite the treat. Until next week, friends, I'm Brad Cole. I'm David Branstead. Oh, and I'm Phil Mackey. (laughs) Cheers.